Good morning. Today we celebrate Pentecost, which is actually a Jewish feast upon which a very significant event happened uh, on that Pentecost following our Lord Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, the giving of the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. For our worship today, we again follow the order of service on page 15 in our opening hymn this morning is hymn number 236, Creator Spirit by Whose Aid. ask you to please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, 
Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. psalm today we read psalm number 16 responsibly again the congregation reading those portions in bold type preserve me O God for I put my trust in you O my soul you have said to the Lord you are my Lord my goodness is my extent to you but to the saints who are in the earth and to the excellence all my their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have the good of I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. I have set the Lord always before me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell. For you will show me the path of life.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, who taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. For our catechism lesson today, we continue to study the sacrament of holy baptism. And today we consider the question, how do you prove that infants also are to be baptized? And the 1912 catechism summarizes it this way. They too are included in all nations. They are flesh, born of the flesh, and are therefore in need of regeneration. In little children, regeneration can ordinarily be wrought by baptism only, and little children also can believe. The Bible, of course, says in Jesus' words in Matthew 28, verse 19, therefore go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if we rightly understand that word nations, it's referring to all the families of the earth, all the tribes of the earth, not to nations in the sense of civil governments, but rather to all the families and tribes of the earth. And certainly children are a part of those nations or ethnic groups, those families of the earth. And so they are included in the command to baptize in the name of the triune God. Uh, this is not in the 1912 Catechism, but I did include it here because it's in our scripture reading today from Acts chapter 2, where Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so, the word children is used there in regard to baptism. Uh, some contend that it refers only to those who are descendants, but the clear and plain meaning of the word includes children. And so we baptize also children. In Mark chapter 10, we read of this account of children being brought to Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. It even tells us that these children were in the Greek brephae or infants who were brought to Jesus. So they brought young children to him so that he might touch them. And his disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said to them, allow the little children to come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child you shall not enter it. And so we see that little children are a part 
of the kingdom of God. And in fact, you know, while most uh, churches today tend to hold up uh, or argue against infant baptism, saying they cannot believe and therefore we have to wait until they become an adults and can make their own choice and decision, what does Jesus said, say? You know, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter it. And so little children are held up as an example to us who humbly believe and accept the truth of the gospel when it's presented to them. And of course, in baptism, they too are brought into God's kingdom. We often say, well, I should perhaps read the next passage first, John 3, verses 5 and 6. Unless a man is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so the way that Jesus tells Nicodemus in which one is brought into the kingdom of God is through being baptized, uh, because that is the rebirth of water and the spirit. And so if children are a part of the kingdom of God, certainly they are to be baptized as well and be brought into the kingdom of God. Not mentioned here in the catechism, but elsewhere is Psalm 51, verse 5, where David talks about the fact that he was a sinner already when he was conceived and when he was born. And so little children are not born into this world without sin or unaccountable, but they are sinners who need God's grace and mercy. And in baptism, they are brought into this covenant with the Lord God, whereby they have forgiveness for their sins and everlasting life. Jesus also said in Matthew 18, verse 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him that a millstone were, be ha were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And so it is a serious thing to keep little children from Christ by denying to them the sacrament of holy baptism. We have examples in the Bible history section of Lydia and her whole household were baptized and also the Philippian jailer. Uh, that very night, he and his all his household were baptized. And households, especially in Bible days, usually included children as well, not just adults. And so uh, very evident from the scriptures that little children were included in baptism. Today, I will have you stand up for the reading of the Holy Gospel, even though it is uh, the book of Acts. And since it's long, I only used one reading this Sunday, and that's from the book of Acts in chapter 2. As I said, our lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were Jews dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. 
Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are all these who speak not Galileans? And how do we hear every man in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, in Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, in the parts of Libya about Kyrene, strangers of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We hear them speak in our languages the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and in doubt, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others, mocking, said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, may this be known to you and listen to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will in those days pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David speaks concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand so that I should not be moved. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. For you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy with your countenance. Men, brothers, let me freely speak to you concerning the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn to him with an oath, that from the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. God has raised up this Jesus, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, 
Sit on my right hand until I make your foes your footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men, brothers, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, ate their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Here ends our reading of the Holy Scriptures. We join in confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 22. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. We continue our worship by singing hymn number 231, which is, We Now Implore God the Holy Ghost.
Again, I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we pray your Holy Spirit's blessing upon us this day as we consider the teaching of your word. We pray your guidance and blessing that we might be strengthened in our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might repent of all our sins and look to Christ and his cross for mercy and forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Sermon text for today is Acts chapter 2. I won't reread the entire thing for you again right now, but I wanted to read this whole section today because if you look at the assigned readings for Sundays in the historical lectionary, you will find that appointed for today are verses 1 through 13 and the rest of the chapter is never read in the Sunday lectionary. But I might point out to you, if we continue to have services as used to happen years ago every day, so that we would meet, for example, for the Order of Matins every morning, the rest of the book of Acts is pretty much, or the, the rest of this chapter is pretty much covered on Tuesday and Wednesday of the week of Whit Sunday or Pentecost. And so these were read, it's just that when you only use a part of the assigned readings, those for Sunday, we miss a lot of things. But I thought it was important to look at the rest of the story, to get the whole story, because we've all focused on the fact that we see on this first Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, we remember the tongues like as a fire on the heads of the apostles. We remember them speaking in other languages, and we probably remember that people were confused and some thought that they were drunk. But unless we read on, we really don't see the answer to what took place on that day. And so today we consider the rest of the story. And I kind of broke this up into ways that perhaps a newspaper reporter would cover the rest of the story. First of all, we want to consider who it is who's involved in this story. Who are we talking about when in the beginning of this section, it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Well, who is the they who are all in accord in one place? And the best way to understand that is just to go to the verse before that, where they gave for their, forth their lots, the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so we understand that who was it who was gathered together when this took place, it was the 11 apostles and Matthias who now had been added to their number to replace Judas who denied or who betrayed the Lord Jesus and then instead of repenting and looking to Christ for faith, despaired and went out and hanged himself. And so what happened? Well, we see that in the first four verses. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
and there appeared to them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. In the Gospel of John and elsewhere, we see that they were commanded to wait for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. For example, in John chapter or in Acts chapter one at verse eight, it, Jesus said to them, "Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth." And so the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them in fulfillment of what Jesus had said would take place. When did this happen? And this is a significant point I think that we often miss. It happened on the Feast of Pentecost. But the Feast of Pentecost was not some new Christian feast. It was a feast that God's people of Israel had celebrated all the way back from the time he led them out of Egypt and then brought them in to the land of Canaan. It's called Pentecost because it is numbered for 50 days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread or after the Passover. And so we celebrate it 50 days after Easter. And Pentecost was a feast in which all the Hebrew males, all the Hebrew men were required to attend in Jerusalem and they brought of their first fruits an offering to the Lord. We might look at it in some way similar to Thanksgiving, the old Thanksgiving feast where we celebrated the final harvest. Well, this was celebrating and giving to God the beginning of the harvest, and then they would gather again uh, after the harvest time uh, to celebrate again and give God thanks for the harvest, as well as remembering that they had lived in booths and tents for 40 years in the wilderness. And why is that important? Well, the city was packed with people. The city of Jerusalem was filled with Jews from all over the world because many of them had been dispersed, not only under the Babylonians, but also in the times of the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire were in many cities around the world. That's why we hear them speak of all the languages, all the places where they had come from, and it just mentions a few here, you know, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, in the parts of Libya, and it mentions Kyrene, strangers of Rome, both Jews and proselytes. All these people had come together to Jerusalem for this feast, and so the city is packed with people. It's a required feast for any Hebrew man to be there. And it's on this day that Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit upon his apostles. And as we read, you know, what happened, they were speaking in other languages because as it says here that they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is not the same as what many people like to talk about today as speaking in tongues, but they did speak in tongues, uh, but they are speaking in understood languages, not some unintelligible speech. 
and they spoke in the languages recognized by the people who had come from all these places. They recognized them as their native tongues, not speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic or even in Greek, but in all these languages. And where, of course, did this happen? We see that it took place in Jerusalem. We see that from the opening verse, and we see that later on as well. Perhaps a more important question is why did this take place? Why did this happen in such a way? And that is really answered for us as we go on from verse 12, where we read that, you know, all these people are amazed and in doubt, you know, they're saying to one another, what does this mean? Others mocking said, you know, these men are full of new wine. But Peter answers this when he says, men of Judea and all you who dwell at Jerusalem, may this be known to you and listen to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he quotes from the Old Testament prophet Joel in chapter two. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will in those days pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the prophet Joel spoke of these things happening, that the Spirit of God would be poured out and they would testify and they would prophesy in God's name. But his prophecy goes all the way to the end, to those signs which Jesus says are going to take place immediately before the Son of Man re returns in clouds of glory to judge this world. But it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever turns from his sin and he looks to Christ and his cross for mercy, will be saved. This section, of course, goes on to speak about the Lord Jesus. Peter begins to explain. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so Peter gives an opportunity to testify that it is because Jesus. Who is Jesus? As he says, Jesus of Nazareth, he's approved by God as his son by all the mighty miracles which he did. And it was by God's counsel that he was handed over and crucified and now is alive from the dead. He's been raised from the dead. He uses the example or the teaching of David in order to prove his point. He quotes from Psalm 16, which we read at the beginning of our service today. For David speaks concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand so that I should not be moved. 
Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy with your countenance. And then he explains, you know, consider David. Where is he today? He pointed out that David was both dead and buried. His grave, his sepulcher was there with them to this day. But he says, you know, that David, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn to him with an oath that from the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption, that God has raised up this Jesus, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, which you now see and hear. And so Peter says, it's Jesus, the one you rejected and crucified, the one whom God raised up and is now at the right hand of God the Father, who has poured out his spirit upon us. This is what you are seeing and hearing. Peter goes on to explain this further. He says, for David did not ascend into heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your foes your footstool for your feet. So he quotes from another Psalm of David, Psalm 110, where David is speaking, but he says, the Lord said to my Lord, remember Jesus also asked his hearers to explain this. You know, how could David say, the Lord said to my Lord, well, Jesus, as it says here, is the Lord of David. And so the Lord, Yahweh, our Jehovah God, says to my Lord, says to Jesus, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we've been waiting for. Now, if you think about his Jewish hearers who were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and now they hear and they see these signs in that the disciples were speaking in languages from their homelands, that Jesus is that Messiah. But they, through their leaders, rejected him and crucified him and raised some concerns in their hearts. And it goes on to say, you know, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men, brothers, what shall we do? They realized that they and their leaders had sinned, that they had rejected the very one that they've been waiting for for generations. They had rejected the one promised in the Garden of Eden, in the seed of the woman who had crushed the head of the serpent. They had rejected the seed of Abraham. They had rejected the one like unto Moses. 
What's the penalty for rejecting the Messiah and Savior? It's death, spiritual death, eternal death and damnation. And so rightly they said, man, brethren, what shall we do? Notice Peter's answer. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The message is still the same today. We in all the world, by nature, reject God's Messiah, his Son, his Savior. We turn away from him, we go our own way, we neglect to listen to him. What is the message of God's word? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, for the forgiveness of your sins. There are many people also today who would tell you that if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you know, you have to pray certain prayers or you have to, you know, clean up your life, purify your life and do certain things and then God will give you his spirit. But what does the Bible say? Repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, be baptized in his name. It's what we preach to you today and to all others today, that we need to continually repent and acknowledge our sins and look to Christ because Christ fulfilled all righteousness for us. He suffered and died. He paid the price for our sins and he rose again in victory. And it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness. And when we are baptized into Christ, when we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God brings us into this covenant with Christ whereby we have the forgiveness and life that he won for us. And so for these Jews who had rejected Christ, who had crucified him, there was forgiveness by repenting, acknowledging that they sinned, that they were wrong, and placing their faith in Christ and being baptized in his name. For you and I, who so often turn away from Christ and don't listen to him, there is forgiveness when we repent of our sins and we look in faith to Christ and his cross and we're baptized in his name. Peter says that the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it says, with many other words, he testified and exhorted, saying, save yourselves from this perverse generation. Lucky for you, they're not all recorded here. The sermon might be a lot longer. And so this promise is not just for those people at that time. It is for us today. It's for us. It's for our children, for all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we also see that the Holy Spirit worked mightily. Not only did the Holy Spirit cause this rushing sound of a wind, not only did he cause, you know, tongues like as a fire on their heads, not only did he enable them to speak in other tongues, but there's a far greater miracle. On that day, the Holy Spirit touched the hearts of 3,000 souls in Jerusalem so that they repented their, of their sins and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Talk about church growth. You start out with 11 or 12 disciples or apostles of Jesus and a small group of others, maybe 120, who were there, and now you have suddenly a megachurch, 3,000 souls who were brought to faith, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, are Christians. And it wasn't through some fantastic entertaining thing. It was through the word of God that they were brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw their sinfulness and they saw that in Jesus Christ there is forgiveness. They were baptized into his name. And while it became a mega church, they did not have a mega building because we read on that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, which is what Jesus said would happen in the ending of the Gospel of Mark. And all who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, ate their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. And so they continued in the temple hearing the word of God. The apostles continued to preach and teach God's word in the temple. It wasn't the place to take the Lord's Supper, and so they broke bread from house to house. They observed the Lord's Supper uh, in their homes. Notice that they were with one accord, uh, notice that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It wasn't just, let's all get together, but it was in that true teaching of God's word and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's where they prayed together and joined together in worship. Notice also that they were praising God. Only when we have faith in Christ can we truly praise and glorify God. And they were doing it probably in the temple as well as in their homes. And I think the most important part of this last section here is the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. They didn't add to the church. They preached the word. They bore witness to Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for them. And it is the Lord God, his Holy Spirit, who brought people to faith and brought them into his church. And the same, of course, is true today. It is through the gracious working of the Holy Spirit through his word and sacraments that were brought to faith in Christ, that were made a part of Christ's church in this place. I kind of hate to conclude with these words, but I may say them anyway. That's the rest of the story. Uh, God's grace and mercy to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.
You may be seated. We continue our worship by bringing forward our offering. I ask you to please stand and join in the prayers of the church. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Lord, your spirit fills the world and gladdens your church with the remembrance of all Christ Jesus has spoken. Comfort us with divine peace and do not let our hearts be troubled or afraid. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, as you once chose apostles to proclaim the resurrection, so open the mouths of your pastors and people to declare his praises to all who would hear. Lord, in your mercy, hear Lord God, you have poured out your spirit upon us that we might believe your truth and raise our sons and daughters in the knowledge of it. Bless all parents that they may faithfully catechize their children in your word. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, be near to all those who have set in place to govern our land. Do not let the ruler of this world govern them and their decisions to our harm, but give us the benefits of good government. Lord, in your mercy. Father, in your righteousness, bring out of affliction all whose spirits faint within them and whose hearts are troubled. We remember especially today Dick, Janet, and Richard. Help them by your good spirit to meditate in your word and to consider all you have done for them and your son. Lord, in your mercy. As your son gives us to partake of his body and blood given and shed for us on the cross, that we might partake of his eternal peace, preserve us steadfast in this peace, despite the sinful world in which we live, that our hearts may not be troubled nor afraid, but at rest in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty Father, with your Son, Jesus Christ, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts through your word to rule and govern us according to your will. Comfort us in every temptation and misfortune, 
and defend us against every error, that we may continue steadfast in the true faith, increase in love and good works, and trusting firmly in your grace, won for us by his death, obtain eternal salvation through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. We continue by singing hymn number 312, Lord Jesus Christ, Thou Living Bread.
Please rise. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who ascended above the heavens and sitting on the, thy right hand, poured out on this day the Holy Spirit, as he had promised, upon the chosen disciples, whereat the whole earth rejoices with exceeding joy. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
I ask you to please stand. Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given to death for all of us. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given to death for all of your sins. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all of your sins. The Lord bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the remission of all your sins. I ask you to please stand. 
Now may this holy body and precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you for Jesus' sake. Take heed. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given unto death for all of your sins. And may God bless you and keep you in his baptismal grace. Take also and drink. This is the true blood our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. 
source of all goodness, who in loving kindness did send thine only begotten Son into the flesh. We thank thee that for his sake thou hast given us pardon and peace in the sacrament, and we beseech thee not to forsake thy children, but evermore to rule our hearts and minds by thy Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve thee, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost ever one God, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. Praise be to God. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We close our worship by singing hymn 234. Holy Ghost with light divine.
Again, a welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I have most of the announcements on the back of the bulletin. Uh, we have a potluck dinner following our service today and also a voters assembly meeting uh, following that. Uh, if Kathy if, uh, or Mike, if you wish to join uh, online, just let me know and I'll make sure I connect that link. So and uh, have several important items to consider. Uh, I've got them listed here in the bulletin, but we need to uh, make it clear legally that uh, whether we're, we've used Good Shepherd Lutheran Church or Good Shepherd, Good Shepherd Evangelical Lutheran Church, uh, we're speaking about the same entity. Uh, we also uh, have a resolution to consider to amend the Constitution to divide or uh, to add a division in in regard to membership so that uh, baptized, if you're baptized, you're a baptized member. If you're confirmed, made a profession of faith, you're a communicant. And you can also request voting membership. And the reason for that is twofold. It allows the separation there to between, you know, so you don't have to be a voter if you don't wish to, but can still be baptized or communicant. And it also allows us to keep uh, a roster for purposes of quorum so that we have enough voters here to legally conduct conduct business or at least know whether we do or not. And then finally, there's uh, our two more things. I guess there's, uh, we never did replace the vice president and we need a third uh, officer for the corporation. And then we have a, we need to consider uh, a loan for roof repair and perhaps other repairs. Again, online Bible study, we're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter eight, uh, Wednesday evening uh, through Jitsi, and I send out that link. And then ladies second Saturday brunch is uh, next Saturday, June 11th at 11 a.m. I don't know, can you have Hawaiian theme for another time? Cause you got such, okay. Any other announcements this morning? Okay. Uh, the email I sent out yesterday with the, the documents and that, uh, since that was sent to me saying it's public and for the uh, congregation to review, I just give you the documents, let you study and review them. And uh, we can discuss them down the road at some point and probably we'll be able to uh, discuss them with Bishop Heiser uh, in July when he comes. I think July 6th uh, is the plan. Nothing else. God's richest blessing to you. And let's uh, join in a table prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit and through your gospel, bringing us to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for all the blessings you give to us. And especially today, we thank you for the food which we're about to eat, and we pray your continued blessing upon us. We also ask your blessing and guidance upon our voters' assembly this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.